This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Because if you can tell me what your habits are, I can tell you what sort of a person you are. I can tell you what your future looks like. But like I always say, life is 10% what happens to you. It's 90% what you do about it. The people who are most effective in the workplace believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past. When people don't believe that their future is going to be bigger than their past, they begin to disengage. You're listening to The Circuit of Success, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve success in every facet of life, only on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Now, your host, Brett Gilliland. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and I've got a guest today. We go way back, but 2001, I think. I think you started before I did, didn't you, Kristen, in the financial world? It was 2001, though. Can you believe it? That's 20 years ago. It's a long time. Long time. We're getting younger, though. We are. I don't know how it's working, but it is. (laughs) Yeah, so to the guys, that is all right. Right, two decades of that stuff. Because you started in the financial services world in what what time? And I started the end, well, kind of the end of 2000, December 2000, January 2001. So it was right at the okay. beginning of the year when I came in and was contracted. Yeah. And I started August of 01. So, and now we're totally doing separate stuff. And you've been doing uh, consulting work with the, uh, the Andre group. And you've been doing that since 2009. Yes. Uh, which is amazing. So that's coming up on gosh, 11, 12 years and uh, yeah. doing some amazing work. You work with people in the financial services industry, RIAs, independent advisors. You work with doctors, lawyers, accountants, artists, uh, interior designers, all sorts of stuff. So uh, what, what's kind of filled that passion for you? Obviously, you being in the financial services world, what made you make a career shift and do what you're doing now? You know, it was interesting and it was very unintentional at the time, but I think it all makes sense because when I was in financial services, I mean, as you know, I had a good practice. I loved what I was doing, but I found really quickly that I liked building advisors practices more than I liked building my own. So, you know, much like you, when I went into management and then when I had my own firm out in Connecticut, we, I loved that part. I loved helping them grow and helping them kind of make their practice their own, where a lot of times we don't do that. We just kind of get in and people go into financial services and they try to do it the same way. I just started having a lot of fun making all the advisors practices themselves that, that you know, fit their personalities, really go after the markets they like. And it was fun. So I just, yeah. I built on that. And I stepped down from my firm in 09 to launch the consulting firm just so I could have a broader impact. That's, that's awesome. And which is probably scary, I take it, right? I mean, to, to step away from something you knew for so long to just say, I'm going to start this deal. And I think I'm going to get clients. I think I'm going to do well, but you know, you really don't know, right? No, you definitely don't know. But that like? It was fun, you know, much like going into finance. Cause when I went into financial services, I was a career changer. So I was already, I'd been in healthcare. I had a successful career, changed careers. So I always thought I was risk averse, but apparently I wasn't because I've changed careers a couple of, you know, a couple of times at older ages. And it's really about following your passion and where your heart is. I had so much fun watching my advisor clients have some success in business and grow the practice the way they want it and really enjoy their life, that that's just what I wanted to do. And I think if you let that fuel you, it's easier to build it. 
Yeah. So what are you finding right now? Again, pick the industry you want to talk about, but uh, just kind of stay broad on that. What, what are you finding right now? The most successful business people, what are the two, three, four habits that you see daily that are driving their success? So a couple of things, and no matter the industry, we'll, we'll focus a lot on financial services because that's where, you know, the bulk of my practice is. And I know obviously your firm is there and it's, I think the first thing is I call it finding your unifier. The, the professional services individuals and firms that can show how they're unique win every single day. Because what happens is we all try to look and blend in with everybody else. And it's the people that are standing out that are being authentically themselves and really trying to figure out and uncover that unique fire and leverage that and how they grow their firm. Those are the ones that are really winning. And then it's in terms of a daily discipline, it's controlling the controllables. What, you know, what with your market and your firm or your practice can you can control and figure out what that is and go do it every day. Because so many times people are wasting time on things that just don't matter in the grand scheme of things. If they can really intentionally figure out, all right, here's the people I want to work with and let's dive into building relationships with them, then it, it becomes a lot easier. We, we overcomplicate yeah. it a lot, I think. I think you're absolutely right. We overcomplicate a lot of things in our lives, don't we? But I think the, the thing I would like to just kind of peel the onion layer back on that more is I think it's this industry has been around for forever, right? The financial industry, since we're picking on that one. I mean, that unique ability that they have what is it that you're helping them? How are you actually helping them? Or what could you tell people that are listening to this now to say, okay, how do I find out what I do that's different, even though I may be doing something similar to a lot of people in the industry? Yeah. Well, two things. One, the first part is what is unique about you and, and what's unique about the people you want to work with. I think so many times people try to just be all things to all people. And that's not what somebody wants. I mean, for in medicine, if you have a primary care doctor, that's fine. But if you want to, if you hurt your knee, and you need, you tear a ligament in your knee and you need to go see an orthopedic surgeon, you're not going to see a hand doctor. You're going to see somebody who specializes in knees. And that's really what the financial services has an opportunity to do is who, who's my market? Who do I really want to work with? Who do I really have a great understanding and some love and, you know, dive in with them. I'm always kind of say, know your people, find your people and love them hard. And I think the more we can really find out who we want to work with and who gets us excited, we become really good at what we do. And those people find us. They, they gravitate towards that type of advisor because they know that they get them. I'm assuming culture is part of that. Wouldn't you agree? Huge. Absolutely huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the best financial And what are we doing the drive have, culture? What do you say that again? So what do you, go ahead, go ahead with what you were saying. No, the best financial firms really put a, a big emphasis on culture. So they recruit to the culture, they build around the culture, anything they do in the community. You know, too many companies, I think, just hire anybody and show up and just they do what they do. And the companies, honestly, if I always try to look at it from the perspective of a client, which is harder to see when you're in, you know, in the role of an advisor. But once I stepped out, my, my perspective shift, I started looking at everything as like, if I were the client or the prospect, what would I think? And, you know, most successful people want someone that understands them. They want someone that they're attracted to and they have this good energy around them. And they want somebody that gives back and helps other people and helps the community. And I feel like the firms that do that and build a culture around that, they're just, they're just better. They do better. Yeah. And are you finding social media as a big role for these people or some of them they are and some are not? What are you, what are you seeing in there? I think if it's, it absolutely, it is a big role. And if, if companies are not leveraging it, they're missing out big time. It's just, it's where everything is now. 
love it or hate it, it's definitely where people are. And it's a great opportunity to connect and deepen relationships with folks that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. I think it's crazy else. that I think a lot of people will go to your social media channels before they go to your website. Definitely. Oh, for sure. Well, they get a better feel because websites, it's not really as dynamic. I mean, we can, we can curate it. We put pictures. We just, I did a website redo for my firm a couple weeks ago. You know, we curate everything. It's, it, right. you can see the pictures, but you don't really get a feel for who somebody is and how they talk and how they show up, but you can on social. And I think that's where society is starting to go is they want to get to know people. I mean, we've been kind of locked up for a little bit now. We're ready to get out and, and really have an opportunity to meet people and know who they are. Yeah. And I think too, it's like, for me, I know it's, it's important that the audio, the video type stuff is like you said, they get to know you and you can get that feeling versus just this stock photo. That's some man or woman, you know, sitting on the beach dreaming. And, you know, we, are, we all have those things. And you have gotta have them know, the there are a lot of beaches around because every stock photo is got you know, <laughs> the old, older couple and the younger couple. And they're always on a beach right. somewhere. I know. On a beach or a yacht or, you know, something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I guess that's everybody's dreams. That's why, right? They want to get to that point. Um, so so what, what are you seeing that people are failing the most? I mean, we love to talk about success, but where are people failing the most? Well, I think where I'm seeing people fail the most is, again, they're trying to be all things to all people. They're not really taking time to figure out who they're really meant to serve and use their unique strengths to do that. Because not all of us have the same strengths. You know, there there's some... There's some people who are hugely analytical and great problem solvers, and there are others that are wonderful communicators. And if we can all figure out how to leverage our strengths, then we can serve more people. So if we, you know, find, know your strengths, understand them, and hire to those, that would be good. So I'm seeing people fail by trying to be all things instead of being what they're good at. That would be one. And then the other one is, you know, I mentioned earlier, it's trying just trying to spread it too thin, trying to say, I'm here to help everyone. And at the end of the day, we'd love to, but you've got to know who your people are and really dive in there. The relationship piece is pivotal in any professional services. And I feel like, I feel like a lot of times people lose that. They lose sight of that when they build. You, are you seeing there's a common theme that pops up amongst all these leaders? I mean, again, forget the industry, but are you seeing a common theme that you're constantly getting asked about? Um, I think it's really a little bit. So I would say the theme is they, they know that they need to go deeper and build relationships, but none of us were ever taught how to do that. And I feel like for most professional services firms, I, when I talk to, to, when I go in and talk to companies about building and prospecting and growing, I always talk about the short game and the long game, excuse me, short game and the long game. I feel like we, we we're always taught how to do the short game. We're taught how to get those quick wins and those quick introductions and the quick business but we don't take the time to learn or to teach people in our industry, any industry, any professional services. We aren't taking the time to teach them how to play the long game, how to build the relationships, how to set up strategies that will pay off a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. So that's the common theme that I'm seeing is that we're doing so much short game, we're, we're forgetting about what's gonna happen 10 years from now. And if you do both, if you make it a, not an either or, but an and, you can set your practice up really good for five years, 10 years from now. Yeah, it is. But that's really hard to do, isn't it? I mean, I remember when I was 23 years old and starting in the business, you know, I had to, I couldn't, I mean, I thought about the long game a long, long time and, and a lot. And thankfully we were in a culture where we did that, but at the same time, I need to worry about, you know, how do I pay my house payment next month? <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's why I say it's not an either or it's an and. So what happens is most people only do short game. 
And I'm trying to get them to do both. You yeah. definitely have to do the short game because you're right. You've got when anytime you're starting a business, you got to pay the house payment. You got to raise the kids and do all that. Yep. But you can't completely neglect the relationships and planning the seeds for the future. Yeah. So a visionary. So our, our situation is a little different where our advisors, even the new ones that come into our firm, you know, they're 20, 30, 40 years in the exactly. business. And so what do you see in people in their 20, 30, 40th year doing what we do? What are opportunities for them to go out and continue to grow and do the things that they want to do to be successful? You know what's, but I love that tenure in the business. And I think, you know, this, my, my father just retired after 52 years in the financial services industry, he retired a couple of years ago. And it was really interesting having grown up in the industry and seeing how yeah. he did. And I feel like he was a visionary. He was ahead of his time because he really created his life to be the way he wanted it and still ran his practice. So for the 20, 30, 40 year veterans that I have the opportunity to work with, it's a lot around what do you want life to look like? right now yeah. what do you want you know and combining that with your practice what's interesting is for most of them it's about leaving a legacy and making an impact and you can still do that and what's been fun to watch is the more that we get them focused on giving back to the community leaving legacy for their own family or or you know their teams or their staff the more we get them focused on that their practice grows it's almost by happenstance like if i can focus them on what they want life to look like the business always grows yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's, it's so important for anything. Again, forget the industry. I keep saying that, but it's so true. I think what I have found in my career, the clearer I can be around my purpose and my mission and my goals, my dreams, my aspirations, the easier everything else in the day-to-day -day stuff becomes. Right? I mean, the showing up, the going to work, the doing this, the doing that. But I also think you got to take time uh, for those people that have been in the business for a long time. We know they're going to be successful. Right. And so now it's a matter of what is that clarity beside to your point of what that work is going to look like, but then also putting in your time off and scheduling it and booking it and going and making those things happen. Yeah. It's, it's so too many people, you know, at the end of the day, we all work hard. I mean, all of us do. And that's why we have successful businesses, but it's just one part of our life. And we've got to figure out how to make them all blend. You know, years ago, the trend was, work-life balance. And I don't, I don't think there's a balance. There's never going to be a balance every, you right. know, I've single mom, three kids and nothing ever balances, but you want to make it blend. You want to make sure that on the days that your family days and you're on vacation and the weeks off, you're all present. And the days you're at work or you're in front of a client, you're hundred percent present there too. So making it all blend together is really where opportunity is. Yeah. I had a guy in the podcast that said work-life integration. Yeah. And I thought I like that was that. so good, you know? Yeah. And, and so because to your point, I mean, if you, if you have a crazy morning at home with kids or spouse or whatever it may be, and then it's like, yeah, that, that's going to impact your day. Or if you have a bad day at work, it's going to impact home. And for us just to think we can just turn it off, I think is, is you know, we're not being true to ourselves. Well, don't you think nowadays it, it seems like people are more open to that? I think 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you kind of kept the private life and your personal life hush-hush. There wasn't as much. And then the balance came into play. But now it's really about... I love the integration work. I mean, I think people are more open yeah. to that these days than they were probably 10 years ago. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I think you see more personal stuff shared professionally. I that think so too. Yeah. Way more transparent. You know, we're in a, I mean, a male dominated business, right. That needs to change, but we are. I noticed that. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. You might've known that being in it for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's true. Right. And I think the, the men though are becoming more transparent, more, more vulnerable. Would you say you're, you agree with that? Are you seeing more of that? Um, I think 
depends on the company in the industry, for sure. Okay. I, I do think financial services, yes, um, with the larger companies, starting to get there. Yeah. Um, probably more quickly than I'm seeing it in corporate America. So a lot of, I have a few women, private clients that I coach that are, you know, executives in C-suites at Fortune 100 and 500 companies. It's, it's a little bit slower for some yeah. of those. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, it, it always brings an interesting dynamic because what they can share with me as a private coach is very different than what they share in the boardroom. So uh, I would love it to get to the point where they can share freely and everybody can share freely. It's just, it's not there yet, but I feel like having an avenue to have those discussions is, is important. Yeah. How do you feel about that as, as a person that is transparent and vulnerable? I think, how do, how do you feel about that when you're coaching them? Is, is that hard for you to be able to still do that? You know, no, it's not hard. I, I, I hate it that it's there. I hate that that happens, but honestly, it's not just the women, it's the men too. Um, so there are, they don't share things for different reasons. So the women, it might be, I don't want to be seen as being weak, or I don't want to be seen as, you know, having all these challenges at home where the men may not be sharing stuff because they want to seem like they're more guarded or more protective or playing the more provider protector role. So it, it varies. There are different reasons, but in transparency in the workplace, it really depends on the firm. I think larger yeah. companies are harder to do it. Yeah. I, I, think, I mean, we don't want everybody coming in and, you know, bearing all their dirty laundry. But yeah, I no. think part of it is the grace and the understanding that we don't always know what somebody's going through outside of the office. So we need to show some right. compassion and, and some grace to them to be able to express yeah. themselves however they need to. Yeah. What, um, when you're out working with clients and even to yourself now, like even in your world, I mean, what, what are the things that are like no miss items? If I followed Chris and Andre around with a camera, and a video crew, right? As scary as that could be for all of us, but uh, not for you, for any of us with the camera crew. But <laughs> what does that look like uh, for you that's a no-miss item? You know, I think my first one is find your unifier. Be unapologetically you. Know, know who you are and don't make excuses for it. Just yep. be you. That's the big one. The second one is control the controllables. We spend so much time stressing and fretting and just worrying about things that 90% of which never happens. Yeah. So really focus on what is controllable personally, professionally, and financially. That'll set you up. And then the third one is have fun. I think at the end of the day, we forget to have fun. We forget to yeah. kind of realize that life's short. You got to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, Tim Hammett, my business partner, and that's what we talk about, man. We can just laugh, just be able to laugh at work and have some fun, full of joy, I mean, everybody takes things so serious. I mean, obviously you got to be serious and you got to and do the right things and, and be a good business leader. But at the same time, let's have some fun with this thing, right? You guys have always, I've knowing both of you guys for 20 years, you guys have always done that. But I think that's why you've been able to build the culture you have is because you realize it's got to all integrate. It's got to all fit together. And at the end of the day, it's got to be fun or nobody's yeah. going to be there. Right. Exactly. Um, what have you, what'd you learn during the pandemic? I mean, is there anything that you kind of aha moment for you? You know, I, I would say for me personally, I, I think people look at me or follow me on social and everything like, oh, she's a big extrovert and I love speaking and I do all that. I think I learned that I'm way more introverted than I realized I was. Yeah. So I'm, you know, throw me on a stage, do any of that. I'm great. I love talking to crowds, but I actually enjoyed being kind of locked up for a little while. And I'm in Georgia, so we opened pretty quick. Right. But I enjoyed the downtime, the quiet, because I learned that I recharged that way. Yeah. It's fine. I was smiling big there because I, I would agree. I found I'm, I would, people probably think the same thing that I extrovert, all that kind of stuff. But 
I really liked my little group, right? Like my, obviously my family and my, my wife, my four kids, but then our little group in our neighborhood. And then now it's almost like I have more anxiety if I'm going out into major crazy. I went to a concert a couple of weeks ago and I'm like, holy crap, I'm around like, you know, whatever, 30,000 people. And it was like stressing me out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I like the crowds, but I realized that like, I don't need it all the time. I think a couple of my friends and yeah. I were talking about how life had just gotten so busy. So I think the one thing I learned is I like to recharge and a little more introverted. But the other thing is I realized how much stuff I was saying yes to that I didn't need to. So uh, my rule of thumb now with myself and my clients is if it's not bringing you energy or moving you closer to your goals, say no. Yeah. Yeah. The word is so powerful, isn't it? I mean, it's, we can all get better at saying no. And we've really worked on that as well. Um, because you can, I mean, you can say yes, yes, yes. And next thing you know, you're, running from sun up to sundown and and you're not taking care of yourself. It's difficult. You know, we had a forced pause, I think, when the pandemic came and and it's interesting to see now, you know, as, as different states had different, you know, degrees of opening back up. We opened up yeah. early. I have some clients that are just now getting back into their offices. I have some that aren't even back. It's been interesting to see how fast or slow the pendulum swung back. Cause you know, for a lot of people, it's been a very slow, gradual thing. And then some people just went right back in. But for me, yeah. I was already pretty intentional with how I spend my time and who I spend it with. But I think I've gotten more so now where I'm very particular with who I spend time with and who I put on the calendar. Yeah. Well, I think too, your kids are a little bit older because uh, your youngest is how old? She's 12. 12. Know, but in the older, well, she's young by love. So I have one in law school and one uh, junior in high school and then I have a 12 year old. That's awesome. It's crazy yeah. to think you have a law school student. That can't isn't be possible. That, I know. It's a little scary, isn't it? It is scary. But I, I noticed that with the kids, the sports calendars and all that, mm -hmm. but it has, man, it has gone right back to craziness and, and the nonsense, which I don't, you know, I enjoy it. But at the same time, it's like, I really enjoy the dinners at home more often versus you know, grabbing a turkey sandwich and, you know, eating it on the way out the door to the car. But it, uh, I think we do need to slow down more. And, and I don't know how you do that. I don't know what happens there because we don't want the world to shut down again and we don't want another pandemic. But I think it is finding that time and finding some balance. So what about fears? I mean, fears as uh, Chris and Andre put in your mind that uh, have never blown up to the magnitude and you put them in your mind to be. Are you kidding? I can doomsday with the best of them. That is one of the things <laughs> that I've done I feel like my whole life, I always, I would, I'm a planner and I'm a strategist. So I think through scenarios, that's what makes me great at coaching, but what makes it tough in life is I think through any bad thing that could happen with anything. And I, I really think it took until probably it's going to age myself. I think I had to get past about 40, 45 years old before I started going, how the heck am I doing this? Yeah. So right now, I don't, I don't doomsday that much anymore, but I spent so much of my life worrying about worst case scenario that, you know, when bad things do happen in life, you start going, you know what, really wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. So, you know, as far as fear, I'm always scared. I mean, I'm scared of bungee jumping and skydiving, but other than that, as far as life itself, I don't, I don't really let fear get in the way anymore. Well, that's awesome. And I, th I think it does come with experience, but I think there's also kind of with those phases, if you will, you are in, in growth mode or build mode, if you will. Yeah. You probably have got that confirmation now that, all right, I'm, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to be able to pay my bills. I'm going to be okay. Right. I think it does take getting to that point, um, you know, for those 20 and 30 year olds listening, I think it does take a certain point of success to actually build that belief. Would you agree? 
I definitely think so. And, you know, when I was in my 20s and 30s, I think one of the things I wish I would have done would have been getting some older role models that kind of would talk through those things. Because when you're, you know, even from parenting and everything, you know, if you if you before social media, we just thought everybody's all these kids are perfectly well behaved and no one talks back and whatever. And, you know, that all businesses just grow with that trajectory just like this. And in my 20s and 30s, I felt like I was fighting it. I had people, but we never really talked about the tough stuff. And now, like when people come to me that are younger, even my age, that's what we talk about. We're like, you know, I have a problem with the kids. I, I call a couple of girlfriends that have kids the same age or a little bit older. And we talk through it. Same thing with yeah. the business. But I think yeah. people need to grasp onto the people who've been through the rough spots. Yeah. I think it's important what you just said there, though, is you got those couple friends that you know you can lean on, right? You got to have those trusted people in your corner that allow us to make the call that you're not going to feel judged or anything like that. When you do call them and say, my kid's an idiot and just did this. And yeah. now let's talk through it. Right. Yeah. And I'm a big, you know, as big as I like to be on social media and everything, I have a very tight inner circle. I call it my grasp group. They're the people I grasp onto. They're the only ones that I share all the stuff with because I, I'm seeing that trend. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but on social media, people like to put out all the the bad stuff. And then you get opinions from people who don't know you, don't know your situation. So I try to keep it, you know, I have a, it's almost like a board of advisors. I have a core inner circle that I go to when I need advice and feedback. And then I try to keep everything else positive. Yeah. I love it. I love it. What's your belief on audio versus video? I'm jumping around here, but audio versus video versus like articles, blogs, things like that for those financial advisors that are listening. what, What are you seeing the most success with? Um, all of them work. I will say that first and foremost, I think you have to know your strengths. So video is always going to skew better. Um, it just, people, people see it more. They feel like they can get to know you. They get to know your personality. So video is always the best with that said, not everyone is good on video. I, I personally, I hate video. I'm on it all the time. You know, we, we live stream my podcast. We do all that, but I'm just, it's not my favorite, but I do it because I know I need to. I've had other advisors that if we put a camera in front of them, they are frozen. So video is not going to be their thing. So I think part of it is understanding what your comfort level is and then going with that. So I would say video first and then audio and then little snippets. You know, I have some people that are doing really well on TikTok. Yeah. I don't know, but it's, you know, it's, it's growing platform. So understanding what your strength is and where your audience is as well. Maybe you can do like a TikTok class and people like me can attend because my kids got me on TikTok. So like, dad, you got to get on there. And I fought it, fought it, fought it. I'm like, all right. One oh, night yeah. over the over the Thanksgiving holiday, I, I signed up for TikTok and I think I've put two things on there. I don't even understand it all. But. It's funny. Well, that's when you hire it because I, I will employ one of my children to help like shoot stuff. And, you know, my video folks will help and kind of shoot things and put it all together. But I have a client who's a life coach and she's in her 50s, mid 50s, and yeah. she's gotten huge on TikTok, like huge on it. And so it's it's really interesting. Like as soon as we learn one platform, something new is going to come along, but sure. you know, have fun with it. I just, we'll see you do it. So what is she doing? Scenario. Be successful. Exactly. Exactly. What, what is she doing? Let's pick on her. And obviously we don't need to get yeah. into much of her information, but like, is she looking for clients on there? Or is it more of like building a no. following? Like what building is she doing following. to be successful? Yeah. Building a following. So TikTok, you know, when it first came out, I pushed back a lot on it especially since my clients tend to be professional services. And I was like, nobody's on there. People on there are doing silly dances. You know, they're doing this right. thing and all that. And 
it's really not. There's a lot of information on there. So the younger generation is using it to find clients. So anytime I find a platform that I push back on, I have somebody young explain to me how they use it. And what I found with TikTok is I thought they were just watching dancing videos, but there's not. There's instructional videos. There's how to's. There's a lot of, you know, there's stuff on finance, stuff on cooking. It's that's how they're using it. Used to you go look up things on YouTube to get information. Now they're looking it up on TikTok. Yeah, it's crazy. I think that's how people are using it. It might be the next place. So being on there is important if you can make it fun. Well, we're going to, we'll keep it up. That's what, that's actually what brought it up. My oldest one was taught, we were talking about homework and studies and, you know, your schoolwork and all that stuff. And he actually pulled up a guy's video um, that was super successful now, but he was talking about how he wasn't successful and how he thought of school. Yep. And my son was like, telling me all these quotes and different. I'm like, man, this is awesome. Right. And I'm yeah. like, where did you hear all this? He's like, TikTok. And I'm like, Oh, I thought TikTok was the devil. Right. I thought, all it was, like you said, is the silly little dances and nothing good ever. Or they're trying to build something in the kitchen. They're like, yeah, I saw it on TikTok. I'm like, oh, God. So it's, it's really interesting because it is fun and they're quick and you can kind of watch through it. And I have another friend who went through um, cancer treatments and, you know, she lost all her hair. She documented her chemo. She did everything on it. And she, some of hers were getting like a million views. It was phenomenal series that she did. And it was very cathartic for her, but it served as a motivational thing to help other people going through that. So I feel like what I love about it, it doesn't get the negativity that some of the other platforms do. You're not seeing a lot of negative stuff on TikTok. That's cool. That's awesome. So um, what what advice would you have for that 35 year old Chris and Andre? What, what, what feedback would you give her? So it, I would say the 35 year old Chris and Andre would be, that was the part where I was just starting the growth stage, I believe. And I would have found my people and grasped onto them way quicker. And I would have been authentically myself. Not that I wasn't authentically myself, but I wouldn't have been afraid to be me, you know? So I grew up in the South, so it was very much, you kind of round out your edges and try not to be too much. And I feel like sometimes people in their mid thirties, especially women tend to kind of shy back a little bit and don't fully embrace like the people they are and the things they love and that. So I say find your people, find your people, surround yourself with them and figure out what it is that, that you love doing career wise and just dive in. I love the name of your book. Tell us about that. Oh, so my latest book is called You're Not For Everyone. Um, it came out during the pandemic, which is a which I love that, time, by the way. Fantastic time to publish a book. But we're, we're actually going to do a launch party um, in Q1 of next year because we never got to do one since we were all locked down. But it's, it's called You're Not For Everyone. And the subtitle is But You Can Be For Everyone. So really what it's about is just like I was talking about, figuring out who you are and realizing you don't have to be all things to all people. If, you know, I'm a very spiritual person, so I feel like, you know, God made us all the way we made us. He made us for a reason and we all fit together really well if we just show up as who we are. And so you don't have to be all things to all people, but you can still be for everyone. You can still love and show grace and cheerlead for everybody, but find, find people and love on them. Yeah, that's so good. And I think you're so right again with all this stuff, but you're not for everyone. And I think you got to learn to be okay with that. Yes. Yeah. Which isn't always easy. I think so many times we try to be people pleasers and try to fit into these, you know, do all the things they think we should do career wise, everything. I mean, you're in finance. So I always tell people when I talk to them, we look at personal, professional and financial. A lot of the the things we do that make the bad decisions are because we're trying to do something that we kind of know in our guts, not the thing we need to be doing. 
Right. So it's just making the right decisions for the right reasons. Well, uh, where do our listeners find more of Chris and Andre? If they want to learn more from you and all the amazing coaching and the things that you're doing to help people become the best version of themselves, where do we, where do we send them, Kristen? Yeah, I'm on love, I love on socials. I'm on social all the time. So Andre Group, A-N-D-R-E-E Group. So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram. Don't do as much TikTok, Brett, but I don't know. I may have to, I'm going to start following you. I may start doing more there. But yeah, yeah. everything's on Andre Group. And the Let's websites. do it. We'll have a TikTok contest. Have a TikTok contest. I love it. <laughs> Awesome. Well, we will put this in the show notes, Kristen. We will uh, send people to the Andre group, to your website, find you on social media as well. And uh, it's fun just seeing all the things that you're still doing out there uh, uh, now 20 years later of our friendship. So keep up the awesome work. Love it. You guys too. I love seeing your success. It's great. It's been fun. Well, thanks for being with me. Thanks for having me. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.